0: Hey and welcome to the Activate Podcast. My name is Jill Pelkey. If you'd like to catch past episodes, check us out on soundcloud.com or on iTunes. Search Jillian Pelkey Activate. We're going to pray and uh, get right into today's message. So let's pray. God, I thank you for your unmatched love for humanity. God, I thank you for Jesus coming to earth to set us free from the bondage of sin and the bondage of death, for giving us opportunity for righteousness and eternal life. God, I thank you for the gifts that you've so freely lavished on us, your children. God, I thank you for loving us all so deeply. God, I pray that you would use this word to help us to find a place of repentance and joy in your presence. Jesus, I thank you that you are both kind and stern that you lead us in a way that is right. Jesus, we want to give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Sometimes we can look at our lives and look back and say, I'm not who I used to be. I remember who I was as a kid, and I'm not the same child anymore. I've matured. I've grown. I've subtly changed. I want to talk today about the gospel and how it doesn't just um, change us a little bit. It changes us completely. It makes us a brand new person, and I want to talk today about the promises of God and how we uh, identify with with Christ. How do we identify with Christ? And I want to talk about the gospel, the plain, simple gospel, but in a way that maybe you haven't heard it in a long time. We're going to start with uh, some of the things that we as American Christians identify with very easily. These are going to be check marks for you that you say, yes, I identify with this. I'm going to talk about the promises of God. So here we go. In Exodus, the Lord says he will fight for you. In Isaiah 40, he says he is the, He is our strength when we are weak. Check mark. yes, God is those things. His promises are true. Isaiah 54, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Amen. Deuteronomy says he will never leave you or forsake you, that he is with you always. Jeremiah 29, 11, he has great plans for you. John 8, 36 promises freedom. Philippians 4, 19 says he will supply all all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Psalm 50 talks about how he's our deliverer. Psalm 23 says he will walk with us even through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't even have to be afraid because he comforts us. He is with us. Romans 8, 28 says he's going to work together all things for the good of us who love him and are called according to his purpose. So easily we can identify with that. We say, yes, I am a Christian and I identify with the promises of God. I identify with that rainbow in the sky that was promised to Noah, that rainbow that says that God is never going to flood and destroy mankind again because he loves us. He made a promise to us that he will never do that again. I identify myself with those promises. Amen. And we should. We should identify ourselves with those things that, that God has promised us, that Jesus, that the Holy Spirit has lavished us on us as children of God. I want to look today uh, at Philippians uh, chapter 2 and 3, and it talks about our salvation. Now, in our salvation, we are called. Galatians talks right in the beginning, Galatians chapter like, in 1 through 3, it talks about how we are uh, called to a gospel that we shouldn't turn away from, that the gospel that saved us is the gospel of repentance and turning to Jesus. It is a gospel of Jesus taking our sins or sins upon himself and making us righteous. We can't turn away to some other gospel. We can't turn away to something else that makes us feel good. We have to set our feet on the gospel. And the gospel, the root of the gospel is not me. The root of the gospel is God. The root of the gospel is not you. The root of the gospel is God. It talks about in Romans chapter 11 that we aren't branches off of ourselves. We, we, the root, the foundation is God alone. He is the foundation of the gospel, not us. We don't get our power. We don't get our promises. We don't get our, our strength. We don't get anything from anywhere except for God. And so we, we strive to please God. So the gospel tells us to turn in repentance, to remind ourselves that God is the God of the universe, and to fall in line with him, to make him the Lord and Savior of our our lives. Let's turn to Philippians 3.10. It says, I want to know Christ. And that goes along with all these promises. It's easy to say, I want to know Christ. He's going to fight for me. He's going to make me strong. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I want to know Christ. Every single one of us checks off that box and says, yes, I want to know Christ. Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. Amen. The power of Christ's resurrection lives in you, in your spirit. That same power, the Bible says, that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. To identify with his sufferings. If we flip flip back here for a second to 1 Corinthians, uh, we're going to talk about the need for self-discipline is the, the chapter title here. And we're in 1 Corinthians 9.24. Do you know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. So after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. The gospel is not about us. The gospel is about God. And God's heart is for other people. God's heart is to move us and to change us from a place of selfishness to a place of selflessness. The gospel moves us to no longer be self-focused. The gospel moves us and says, come and be like Christ. Now, Christ, if we could turn back over to Philippians uh, chapter 2, it says, to imitate Christ's humility. Think about Christ who lived in heaven, who made himself like a man that we would have something that we don't deserve. And then back in Corinthians uh, 10, 6, it says uh, that the Israelite nation was an example to us to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things like they did. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 says, No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. So the gospel keeps us from looking at ourselves. It says, Turn to Jesus. Look what he's going to do for you. Look at the Israelites. They were selfish. Don't be like the Israelites. They served themselves and got stuck in the desert. Instead, lay down your life and serve God no matter what it costs you. We don't run this race. Just to run it, we run it to win. And the winning of the race is to, uh, the Corinthians is that we uh, strike a blow to our own body and make it our slave. The Bible talks about if you know your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If there's anything in you that's causing you to not live 100% for God, you cut it off. I want to read to you from Mark chapter 15. This is uh, coming up on Easter Sunday. This is so uh, just beautiful for us. I want to read to you Mark chapter 15. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? They asked. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they're accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the Insurrectionists, who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate, knowing it was out of Self interest that the chief priests handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one who you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder Crucify him. Catch this, wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged, handed over to him to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away to the palace and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff, and they spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe, put on his clothes, and they led him to be crucified. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it and they crucified him dividing up his clothes they cast lots to see what each would get it was 9 in the morning when they crucified him they wrote a notice that with the charge that read the king of the jews they crucified two rebels with him one on the right and one on the left those who passed by hurled insults at him shaking their heads and saying so you are you going to destroy the temple and build it in 3 days come down from the cross save yourself in the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from that cross. Then we'll see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness covered the whole land until three in the afternoon, and And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. Do you... Identify with Christ. In that reading of Mark 15, at what point would you have given up? If you were put into that story as Jesus, at what point would you have said enough? At what point would you have invoked your right as the God of the universe to say stop? Stop. I'm done with this. At what point have you, would you have said, I'm done helping other people. This is too hard. I'm done giving. I gave enough. Isn't this enough? At what verse in that story would you have taken yourself out for a break? Taken yourself out because it's too much. Paul the Apostle talks about in Philippians, I want to identify with Christ. I want to identify with his suffering. Now, this isn't just saying, yeah, something bad like that happened to me. It's saying, yeah, something like ba- bad like that happened to me and I acted like Christ. I'm going to go through that story again. And I want you just quietly in your own heart with, with an honesty before the Lord. At what point in that story would you have said no more? In Mark 15, when he was bound and handed over to Pilate. Have you ever been handed over to someone and it was just super unfair and it wasn't true? At that point, would you have lost your marbles? (laughs) Or would you have handled it like Christ? He didn't say any words to defend himself. He didn't even defend himself to the crowds. Can you identify with Christ? And then privately, the leaders mocked him to his face. Privately, the leaders mocked him to his face. Would you be done at that point? Would you tell them, okay, enough. I'm God, let me go. Would you have broken off your own chains and walked out? When we identify with Christ, we don't just identify with his great promises that make us feel good. We identify with his suffering and we walk through suffering and we have to walk through it the same way that Christ did with humility and serving others. We serve others even in our pain and discomfort, even when people lie about us, even when people do things to us that are terrible, we identify with Christ. And then he carried his own cross. Would you carry your own cross? Or would you say, This is just enough, God? This is just enough. And he was crucified. They stripped him of all of his clothes and then divided them up by gambling. Who would get what? Has something of yours ever been taken from you and given to somebody else? A position, a job, a friend? a relationship? Did you act like Christ or did you lose your mind? Can we take on the mind of Christ? Because uh, later on in the account, Jesus says, forgive them, Father, because they don't even know what they're doing. Can we identify with the suffering of Christ and look out at humanity and forgive? Can we look out at people today and forgive? Can we forgive our bosses and our relatives and the people who are just outright doing wrong to us? At what point do we get off the cross and say, Christ, I I no longer want to be crucified alongside you? Is it when they put the sign King of the Jews on his head to mock him? When you are mocked for God's sake, do you give up and quit or do you identify with Christ? Jesus Christ looked at the sinner to the right and the left of him. And he knew that he was innocent. And he knew that he was being put in a lot with people that uh, were so much less than him. And yet he had compassion on them. And he continued for their sake. Do you continue for the sake of people that still have a chance to know the saving power of Jesus? Then even as he's dying, insults, as he hangs on the cross, taunting him to come down, at that point, would you have come down? At that point, would you have hurled insults back? And then he felt like God had forsaken him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And yet he still stayed on that cross. And there was more mocking, even when things, he is at the last of his breath, and more mocking from the crowds and the priests. And he stays on the cross. And then they offer him vinegar. They offer him vinegar. He's dying in his last breath. They offer him vinegar. And he stays on the cross for the sake of others. See, the gospel is about God. The gospel is about others. The gospel isn't about coming to to, uh, get all the promises you can get and all the comfort that you can get and all the things that you can get. The gospel brings you to a place of repentance. The gospel brings you to a place of, Jesus, I see what you've done for me. Jesus, if I put on your mind... I can walk through trial. I can walk through suffering and I identify with you. Personally, in my life, I've had people yell at me because of the gospel, as it should be, because I learned. I learned how to not hurl insults back, I learned how to not yell back. I learned how selfish my heart is that I just want to defend myself. I learned how selfish my, I can be in just wanting to get down off my own cross. But God taught me to identify with him. Most of the people of faith that we read about identified with suffering. They identified with being thrown in a pit being hidden in a cave like David when everyone had turned against him. He stayed on his cross. He had uh, the ability to kill the man who was causing all this trouble and he didn't do it. He identified with the sufferings like Christ. He didn't even know Christ yet, but you think of David as a picture of Christ. Christ could have killed all those people crucifying and he didn't. He had the power to do so and he didn't. Can we imitate Christ's humility? Can we make the gospel not about ourselves and all that we can get? The promise of the rainbow in the sky shouldn't be a mockery to us. It shouldn't be, God, I know you're not going to flood the earth, so I'm going to sin as much as I want to. I'm going to get as much as I want to. I'm going to look out for myself first and others later. No, the, the rainbow should remind us of the power of God and the restraint of God, that he has every right to kill us dead this moment, and yet he doesn't. Yet he loves us. The the rainbow in the sky reminds us that we too can love people who are sinners. We can love people who are hurtful. We can love people who are dead wrong. And we can have compassion like Jesus had compassion. Jesus who left heaven for our sakes. We can leave our comforts for someone else's sake. We can make dinner for someone who doesn't appreciate it. We can give money to someone who's going to squander it. We can care for people who don't care back. We can be kind to people who yell in our face. We don't have to defend ourselves to rulers. We don't have to defend ourselves to peers or people. We only defend ourselves to God. And He knows our motives and our hearts. And God says, vengeance is His. Step away, vengeance is His. God's in charge of that business. We're in charge of having compassion in the midst of other people being horrid. We have compassion in the midst of other people hurting other people. We have compassion on every person. Mother Teresa's such a beautiful picture of having compassion on those that were dying. They deserved nothing and yet she went out to the streets of India and she would gather up people who were dying that only had a couple days or a couple hours left. She was getting zero things back in return. Zero things back in return. And she was showing love. That's what Jesus does. Jesus says the gospel is about loving other people unconditionally. The gospel is not just about gaining as many promises and perks as you possibly can. It's not about joining a country club. It's about giving up yourself. It's It's a radical change to be born again as you are no longer the old man, but you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are now a spiritual being who can go out with compassion and love. You can take on, Peter says, we can take on the mind of Christ. Philippians, Paul says that we can uh, join in his sufferings and then we will know the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection isn't a list of beautiful things that make us happy. It's a transformation of our spirit to begin to serve humanity unto death with everything that we are, forsaking all comforts. We run a race. It says that we beat ourselves into submission. That when we want to yell back, we don't. When we want to curse someone, we don't. We're changed. What is it to be like Christ? It's not just to hold on to all the feel good promises, because we do and we will, and the promises, the feel good promises are strong and anchored in Christ. But we also hang on to the suffering of Christ. We also identify. We also walk through these things. We walk through. And when we begin to think at what part of Mark 15 would I have given up, it's right at the beginning that I would have given up. And so God help me to identify with your suffering like Christ. Few of us will be led to crucifixion. Very, 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 very few of us will be led to actual crucifixion. But this lies as an example to us. And in Corinthians, it says that the Israelites are, are a very example to us of those that were looking for uh, salvation in themselves. They were looking out for their own interests. We have so, much blind, so many blinders on. We're so selfish We have so many of our own self-interests in mind. And what God wants to do is radically change us to be like Jesus, who had the interests of others first, who had the interests of those that were hurting him above his own. Do unto others as you would have them do unto, unto you. That means sinners who have not yet found the salvation in Jesus. The gospel is about other people. The gospel is about being saved from our own sin so that we can love other people even when they're not lovable, especially when they're not lovable, especially when they hurl insults at us, when they mock us, when they don't appreciate us, when they don't do what we want them to do. That's when we love them like Christ. I strike a blow to my body and make it a slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Otherwise, we're not joining in the Lord's Supper of communion. We're not uh, taking on the blood and body of Christ. What we're doing is we're having idol feasts. We're having feasts unto idols, and the idol so many times is ourselves. The idol so many times is our own self-interests. God is a jealous God. He says to serve him alone. You can't serve God and yourself. You can't serve God and money. You can only have one master. First Corinthians ten twenty four. No one should seek out their own good but the good of others. No one should seek out their own good but the good of others. That will cost you everything. It's not just going to cost you something. It's going to cost you everything. So what do you identify with today? Do you identify with the promises of God alone? Or do you identify with the promises of God and the suffering of God? And therefore understand the power of his resurrection? Search your heart today. Search Mark 15 and say, God... Do I identify with Christ and His suffering? Do I identify with, with the, the trials and, and the hardships? And do I identify and say, God, no matter what, I'll have compassion and love for every single person around me, for the mockers, for the haters. Search my heart. When I sit on my bed at night, let me be silent. Search my heart. God, you know my sitting down and my standing up. You know everything about me. Help me to be silent before you and search me, oh God. Know me. Let me know if there's any evil way in me. This is the truth of the gospel. The gospel isn't a feel-good message. The gospel is an invitation to come and to die to yourself so that you can truly live in the power of Christ's resurrection, so that you can truly live as unto other people. We could very easily just sit here and be like, people are so annoying, people are so this, people are so that, I'm so sick of them, and we forget we are a people. We are just like everybody else. In our hearts, there's selfishness. In our hearts, there's things that's out to get things for our own. And we have so much self-interest. And if you don't think you do, then sit before the Lord and ask Him. Ask Him to show you. Because instinctively, our sinful nature is is hungry for its own self-interest. But the love of Jesus is hungry to have compassion on those around us. That if someone slaps you on one cheek, you turn the other cheek. Seems impossible. Except with Christ, it's possible. That's what he's talking about. Salvation seems impossible without Christ's power in you. Letting people mock you is impossible without Christ in you. Let's pray. God, we need your power. God, we need your grace. God, we need to walk like you walked. We have to walk in your humility. Jesus, you had everything, and yet you laid everything down to become a man on earth and to give your very life, to be mocked by people you created, to carry a cross that you created, to die a death that you didn't even come close to deserving. God, that we could have freedom. And now, God, I pray that we wouldn't just identify with your promises, but we would identify with your suffering. That, God, when we face people mocking us, we would be kind. When we face people accusing us, we would, God, we would look to your Holy Spirit on whether we should be silent. God, I pray that we would be quick to forgive the sinner on our left and the sinner on our right. That, God, we would find ourselves in places that are hard, and yet, God, we would serve. God, I pray that when we are hit on one side, we would turn to the other and offer the other side that God, we would know you and your suffering that God, we could also know you in your resurrection. God, I thank you for your promises. I thank you for the rainbow in the sky that reminds us, God, of you holding back your anger on humanity. Though we deserve it, you hold it back. Though we deserve even death, you hold it back from us. Help us also to hold back that that rage or that anger or that 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 from other people. God, help us to forgive. Help us to be like you. Transform us, God, into your image, that we could truly be sons and daughters of the living king, that we could walk in the power of your resurrection, that we could walk in a way that would bring honor to you, not just in a way that makes us feel good or bring honor to us. Help us to put aside our own self-interest. Help us to look to the nation of Israel as an example, that God, we wouldn't uh, follow after our own idols, but we would follow after the Jesus who was crucified. God, we can only do it through your power. Help us. Help us to be like Jesus. Amen.